Welcome to Be Proactive on Telehealth, a review of optometric business in-depth discussion. Here, Dr. Mark Wright, our professional editor, speaks with Dr. Larry McAvagall, Director of Optometry Southern California for Permanente Medical Group. Kaiser Permanente is a leader in implementing telehealth as an effective means of meeting our nation's growing healthcare needs and in making patients partners in their own wellness programs. As Dr. McAvagall explains, Kaiser actively employs telehealth in the delivery of vision care and the promotion of eye wellness. And now, Dr. Mark Wright and Dr. Larry McAvagall in the Review of Optometric Business podcast, Be Proactive on Telehealth. Thank you for coming here today, and we're going to talk about telehealth. So, Larry, tell me, tell me about uh, how that's impacted the way your doctors perform at Kaiser. Well, we love it, uh, partly because our patients love it. About 52% plus of our visits, at least in general, of all Kaiser Permanente visits across the, across the nation has been some sort of telehealth, telemedicine in some form or another. In eye care, we're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. We're getting there. We have some forms that we call the eye monitoring program, where at least patients come in, get their photographs done on the retina, be able to diagnose whether they have retinopathy or not too, and then that is sent to the doctor and, and be able to monitor that in a way that that we're comfortable, in a way that the patients are comfortable, in, in a way that they can get it done, patients can get it done in a more convenient manner. 52% of all the healthcare visits are done by some sort of telehealth in general medicine is an amazing number. Thank you, um, Dr. Wright. When I think about patients, because we always have to think about the patient side of the, uh, of the equation, what kind of feedback have you heard from patients uh, on the eye care side of it where they have a, a touch with telehealth? We're not quite there yet in eye care, partly because, as you know, as an optometrist, we're right. still unsure of exactly what's being done through telehealth. But we are starting with at least the telephone encounter visits. Yes. We are starting at least in some of our regions where we can take a photograph of the red eye in a very, very secured way, right? Not just an iPhone they can send to you, which you get, I'm sure, once a month, right. at least in a very secured way. So obviously there's a tremendous amount of engagement, tremendous amount of convenience, and tremendous amount of patients saying, oh, I'm glad I'm doing this now. I wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning. I can, send this, I can send this through kp.org. An optometrist, an eye care provider can see it and say, okay, it's really nothing to worry about. It's mainly just a subconjunctival heme. And for those of us who know, it's just mainly just a little bit of bleeding in the eye that can happen spontaneously. It's fine. You don't have to worry about it. It should clear up in a week or two. If not, obviously we're here for you to come in and see us uh, in an in-person live visit. That sounds to me like you're really opening the door for more health care because some patients would choose not to go see your doctor, but if it's that easy, if, if you're making it uh, that convenient for the patient, we're expanding the number of people who have the ability to get a health care answer to their question in their head. That's got to be a big, big step forward for us. It is. As you and I know, there are so many patients. Obviously, in my managed care world, we have so many patients to see, yet we're not providing convenient access to care, which is unfortunate. In Southern California, where I practice, we have 4.5 million patients. And out of those population, we only see about 750,000 exams. That's not enough. And given that population, we should be at least a million and a half right. exams. But how do we get there? I can't hire doctors fast enough. I can't build clinics fast enough. I wish I can. I wish I had the magic wand to do that, but I can't. So we have to find ways for patients to have more accessible to care. And that's where telehealth and telemedicine comes in. So this is really a pragmatic approach to healthcare, isn't it? It allows the patient to touch the healthcare system 
in a way that's convenient for them, but it also allows the doctor to triage what really needs to be urgently seen today or can wait for tomorrow. That's a great point, to be able to triage, to be able to at least virtually have the empathy to the patient and tell them, you know what, you're fine, it's going to be okay, but at least it's right there, maybe at home, maybe at work, because sometimes that happens, things happen in the eye while at work. Having that convenience, having that quick access to a doctor, instead of making the appointment, you and I know, I'm sure, that when was the last time you made your primary care appointment, or at least health care appointment, exactly. you have to make the call, what's the right number, what's the right department, and, and uh, what, in, uh, tomorrow? That's like, right. I need it right now. That's right. So having access to care through us, through kp.org, it's an amazing, yes. it's an amazing, again, amazing feat for the patient to have that accessibility. And the technology changes that are coming with, uh, with big data, with uh, artificial intelligence, with, uh, with all the wonderful cloud-based approaches, really is going to change the way we practice over the next three to five years. I say it's scary. It's scary for the doctor. It's scary for the patients. But at least there's a couple things. I've mentioned the convenience for the patients. Yes. Easily accessible to care. The fact that the doctor is in all the time, when they want it, when they need it. You and I are busy as doctors, but patients are busy themselves. And sometimes we don't think about ourselves, about what's going on in our health, particularly our eye, until about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. That's right. Who am I going to call? So at least having that convenience, having that accessibility is an amazing thing through the phone or through anything, through any other means instead of an in-person exam. It is scary. It is scary partly because I get asked all the time, Dr. Matt, where is that in-person, hand-holding kind of connection? And the answer is, it's going to be a little bit different. That encounter is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a virtual encounter, meaning a monitor means, or maybe a telephone. But at least the voice, the warmness of the yes. voice, the reassurance that everything is going to be okay. Yes. I think it's a great way to be able to triage that and reassure patients you're going to be fine, for the most part. I remember back when autorefractors first came out and how everybody was frightened of the autorefractor. It's going gonna, it's gonna to totally do away with, with what the doctor does in the exam room. And what happened over the course of time? <laughs> we've all incorporated it and put it into our exam flow. So it wasn't something to be feared. It was something to be adapted to. It was something to change to. And yet, you're exactly right. There was fear. I remember Absolutely. the solid fear that people had of that, uh, of that piece of equipment. But... I think telehealth's the same way. I think, I think right now we're in the fear stage mm -hmm. that a lot of folks are just not sure how this is going to change the world, but it will. It will. It certainly will. And, and I think we're dating ourselves, Dr. Wright. Yes, we <laughs> we're <are>. dating ourselves <laughs> because now when I set up a clinic for a new doctor and I don't have an autorefractor, they say something is missing. What's yes. going on here? Yes. <laughs> right? Back in our days, we used a retinoscope, and most people may not know what a retinoscope is because they're so used to using an autofractor. Things are so handheld now. In fact, at the show, you'll see a yes. lot of the new technology coming out there, even now using an iPhone as yeah. part of an autofractor. But you're absolutely correct. It merely enhanced our practice. Yes. It made us better clinicians in a way. We have a baseline now using That's an right. autofractor, right? And for some patients, we can't even do a retinoscopy. We can't even do a baseline at all, but at least the autofractor is right there to help. So it made us more productive, more efficient. Mm -hmm. Did it reduce costs? That's the question to remain regarding right. what will happen. We know with telehealth, it yeah. certainly will reduce costs for the patient. I don't have to drive to you, That's Dr. Right. right, in your office to see you. I can just do it anywhere I want in my office or at home. Yeah, the travel time, if you're... If you live 50, uh, 50 minutes away, that's, a, that's two hours in travel time. If you live 30 minutes away, that's an hour in just 
travel time, not not including any wait time in the office or or uh, or the doctor dilates you and so you sit in a room for 25 minutes or 30 minutes to dilate. I mean, those wait times have all changed. I exactly. mean, it changes the interaction. It has, it has. And you mentioned a good point too about dilation. Granted, there's fear. During a telehealth, virtual visits, I won't be able to dilate you. And it's absolutely true. Right now, the standard of care, as you know, is still dilated exam. Still is. I truly believe in that too. But with new instrumentation, the ultra-wide field that's out there right now, yes. for the most part, it can be accomplished that way without a dilated exam. But you know, as part of your case history, and we do a very thorough three-odds case history. For those that are obviously need a dilated exam, we will yeah. tell them, please come in and see us. Yes, I mean, that's, that, that's just logical. If you, if you run into something that you're concerned about, you have to have them in, in the office and look at them directly. And there's fear. There's fear that yeah. patients may not know well enough what that means. That's right. You and I know flashes and floaters might be an urgent thing. For the most part, it is an urgent thing. They should be coming in for right. a face-to-face -face encounter. But for others, I got a little flash of light. I'm not going to see the doctor. Yes, for the most part, that might be okay. But you know what? Please come in and see us. You only have two eyes and one's not a spare, <laughs> exactly. right? <laughs> I think about speed of transition, too. I think back when the autorefractor came in, if we go back to that example, mm -hmm. we had some time to kind of digest that and, and work through the, the course of time. But now, change is coming so quickly in so many different directions our, our time frame to adapt to these changes seems like it's shrinking. Do you, do you perceive that same thing? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it encompasses on us, particularly our doctors that have been around for a long time, to be able to be, again, be engaged with new technology, understand what it is. I yes. think for the most part, the fear is we don't understand exactly what that means. When we think of AI, we think of robots, and we think of robots, I'm going to be replaced. When we think of telehealth, I won't be needed as a doctor, and the answer is no. Like with the autorefractor, that is actually a, a robot in itself, That's exactly right, right, if you want to call yes. it that. But like we said earlier, it enhanced our practice. It made our practice in a way now that's a little bit different. That's, a, that's expected care for patients. In fact, again, if I set up a room without that, the patients may say, how come you didn't do that little test too where I sued the little bird or the, or the road with, with a red balloon or, uh, you know, coming? How come you didn't do that? That means you're not up to technology. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.